0: It's Friday, October 19th, and this is The Daily Dive. It looks like we might be in for it again with another migrant caravan headed towards the U.S. According to reports, over 3,000 migrants from Honduras have made it into Guatemala and they are headed north. It might take several weeks for them to reach the U.S., but President Trump is already putting pressure on Honduras and Mexico to stop them. Steph Kite, immigration reporter for Axios, joins us for the latest immigration news and what it means for the midterms. Next, the largest Mega Millions jackpot ever is up for grabs tonight, and a large Powerball jackpot is up on Saturday. Good luck, but what do you do if you actually win? Who do you call first? Experts say the first person you should call is a lawyer. Rodrigo Torrejon, reporter for The Record in New Jersey, joins us for what you should do first after hitting it big to avoid the lottery curse. Finally, just in time for Halloween, archaeologists have found a vampire burial ground. In it, they found a skeleton of a 10-year-old child with a stone stuffed in its mouth. The child died of malaria, but people feared that it would rise from the dead and continue to spread the disease. My producer, Miranda, joins me to talk about what else they found at this site and more on deviant burials. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in.
1: People are coming up in caravans and we have to stop them. Even though the laws are terrible, the laws are terrible. Our laws are terrible. They're a laughingstock all over the world.
0: Joining us now is Steph Kite, immigration reporter for Axios. Well, it seems like we might be in for it again. There's another caravan heading towards the United States. The numbers vary anywhere from 3,000 to 4,000 Honduran immigrants made their way through Honduras. They're now in Guatemala. They're heading towards Mexico. Eventually, the thought process is they'll end up at the U.S. border again. The administration is putting a lot of weight behind this. President Trump is putting pressure on Mexico. He was putting pressure on Honduras saying we were going to cut off aid. Uh, now he's putting pressure on Mexico saying this could imperil the new trade agreement we just have. What's going on with this caravan and how is this going to impact you know all the midterms and everything else?
2: obviously immigration has been a super central issue during the Trump administration. And even when Trump was campaigning ahead of 2016, often he would talk about how he was going to be tough on immigration, tough on the border. He was going to build the wall. And then, of course, with all of the various efforts the administration has made to not only inhibit legal immigration, but obviously at the border as well, making it tougher for immigrants to get in. They're watching these border numbers really carefully. And we've seen reports that Trump is obviously very frustrated with the fact that we're seeing record levels of families coming across the border, being caught crossing illegally. And then, of course, this caravan, which we saw a similar caravan earlier this year, and the president, again, was just infuriated by it. And it is it is a form of protest. It is legitimately some immigrants who are coming to the border and, and trying to come to the U.S., fleeing countries where there is a lot of violence and political unrest and high murder rates. But it also is a protest in itself. And so not everyone in that caravan necessarily will be claiming asylum once they get to the U.S. border. But obviously, the president sees this as a protest to his own policies and his presidency. And we saw that on Twitter when he threatened to close the southern border.
0: Mike Pompeo, he's been all over the place right now with what's going on with Saudi Arabia. But he's Mm going to be in Mexico meeting his counterparts there to talk about how to stop the caravan.
2: Even if the caravan doesn't reach the border before the midterms, I think what we need to be watching is how pompeo handles the situation how trump handles the situation does the administration revert back to policies like family separation something that was hinted at earlier this week and i think that's the key here not necessarily this particular caravan but sort of the administration's response to that and that's what i think democrats are going to try to remind people of family separation and use that to get voters on their side. Meanwhile, Republicans, I think we're likely to see them ahead of these midterms, blame Democrats for not allowing them to impose stricter immigration policies in Congress and stricter immigration laws and saying, look, the Democrats have stopped us and now we have this caravan coming to the border. So I think we're going to see both sides really spin this in a way that allows them to bring up immigration as a central issue. And I think particularly in the border date, that will be... A bigger issue than maybe in other places in the U.S.
0: Let's talk about some of the numbers because the border yes. arrests also, some reports say it's jumped more than 50 percent from last year. People, despite the tactics by the administration to prevent some of this stuff, they're still coming.
2: Absolutely. And especially those family those family numbers are really significant, especially at this point in the year. There tends to be seasonal trends when it comes to border crossings. And at this point, typically we'd see the numbers start to decrease as we head into like the cooler weather, but we're seeing a record high number of families crossing the border illegally. And it's in the wake of the end of that family separation policy. There was probably some part of it where the fact that families are no longer being separated, that families are saying, all right, well, we might as well bring our kids with us and try to cross the border now before Something else is implemented. So I think there's a lot of factors within this whole situation. And of course, you look at the countries in Central America where a majority of these immigrants are coming from, and you see that there is rampant violence, that right. there's extremely high murder rates as well. So it just becomes a very complicated and emotional issue and the Trump administration is struggling to impose the policies that they would wish to impose.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a tough situation. We know there's bad actors that try to make their way in with these caravans and these groups. And we know that sometimes people are claiming children trying to get through over the border and everything. We know that is That's a true. problem. And it's definitely true. But this caravan coming from Honduras, we also know that, as you were mentioning, rampant gang violence. They own portions of you know the country there and they are trying to escape that at some point. And and then just to underscore how much the administration is really paying attention to this, there was rumors of a heated argument that was happening right outside the Oval Office. It was Chief of Staff John Kelly and National Security Advisor John Bolton. People were saying that they were shouting really loud, abnormally loud, more than usual. And it was all about this and kind of disagreements they were having about how to handle this. So definitely something Mm -hmm. to it's going to come up in the midterms again. Definitely something that the administration is still struggling with and definitely something that they're trying to work with all these countries to control. Steph Kite, immigration reporter for Axios. Thank you very much for joining us.
2: Thank you. Some people bet on the most frequently drawn numbers because those numbers are hot. Some people bet on numbers that haven't come up for a while because those numbers are due. But in a game of pure chance, it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't matter what store you buy your tickets from or where you buy your tickets. Your chances are always the same.
0: Joining us now is Rodrigo Torrejon. Reporter with the record, a part of the USA Today Network. Everybody has lotto fever right now. The Mega Millions has reached the highest ever in its two-decade history. $970 million is what that jackpot is. There's also the Powerball, I think combined this weekend, the lotto is going to be given away, well, if people win over a billion dollars, like a billion point four to a billion point six, whatever the number finally ends up being. Everybody has those dreams of winning and hitting it big and quitting their jobs and F you to your boss and all sorts of stuff. But the first thing that you need to do if you're lucky enough to win is don't call your mom, don't call your dad, don't call your friends. You need to really call a lawyer. What do we know about what you should be doing after hitting it big?
1: That's exactly right. Keep your mouth shut and call a lawyer. Yeah, as far as winning it big, I spoke to a uh, Jason Curlin. He's an attorney based in Uniondale, New York. He's actually the self-proclaimed lottery lawyer. I think he's represented more than 30 lottery winners since 2011.
0: I saw him. his name mentioned in a bunch of articles. Yeah, he is the guy.
1: I guess you would say he's the expert on this type of stuff. And he said, that's pretty much the first thing he told me is before you speak to anybody, call a lawyer, particularly one that has experience in representing lottery winners and basically protected them from a lot of the pitfalls of winning so much money in such a short time.
0: Right, because people don't know what to do with all that money at first. The jackpot for the Mega Millions is $970 million. If you take the cash option, it's $548 million still a ton of money. One of the main pitfalls is a lot of states require you to be publicly announced. It's like a matter of public record. So you can't get away with being anonymous.
1: In New Jersey, I actually did another article trying to answer that question because a few months back, the jackpot for the Mega Millions was also pretty large. So people, the the question that I would get most frequently is, can I claim my jackpot anonymously if I win? So I figured it out and unfortunately the answer is no, you you really can't. In New Jersey it's a matter of public record, in other words, if the average citizen is allowed to and encouraged uh, to uh, file what's called a public record request and through that you can obtain the name of any lottery winner. The uh, director actually of the state lottery said, you know, this is a very public game so we want people's names out there, you know, this is, we want people to know Who's getting the money that they've spent on this statewide game, this lottery? And, you know, a lot of people have also offered up, well, can I start a LLC or an entity to claim the prize? Right. And James Carey is his name, the director of the lottery. He said, yeah, that's fine. You can do that, of course. And they'll pay the jackpot to whatever entity you set up for that. But your name will still be public record.
0: Wow. I guess it may, maybe the only thing in that is that you could delay your name coming out because the uh, the trust or the LLC might get first billing. Uh, there's, there's only six states where you can remain anonymous: Delaware, Kansas, Maryland, North Dakota, Ohio, and South Carolina. <laughs> you know, pretty much anywhere your name's gonna get out there. I, I know uh, people have said you should get off the internet immediately before you announce you know close your social media down if you have a landline make it unlisted before skip town if you can right when they're gonna announce it so that you're not there and you know you work in the media as you've seen when anything major happens in the news The media starts hunting down any pictures that they can of you, uh, you know, all the details because everybody wants to know. So, you know, some experts have said close all that stuff down just to help avoid it.
1: That's one of the first tips that I've gotten from multiple experts is, yeah, try to get off social media because, like you said, that's the first place that not just reporters look, but people that might want to start contacting you for money, for charity. And that's another issue is that, you know, a lot of charities that will tend to reach out to jackpot winners, they are legitimate, but then there are a lot that are bogus. That's what Jason Curlin, the lottery lawyer, was telling me is, you know, you kind of have to keep it to yourself in in more ways than just one, not just a matter of not talking to people and telling them about it. But yeah, scrub your social media if you can. If you have your phone number out there, try to get it down just so that, again, like you said, kind of delay people doing that, because especially in New Jersey, inevitably, it, it's probably going to happen. Your name will be out there, but at least maybe stave it off for a little bit.
0: Right. And, you know, as far as like skipping town and all this, all these steps, the initial interest is there as soon as the name comes out. So hopefully after the news cycle switches a little bit, maybe you can kind of get away with being so popular if, if you take the proper steps. What about the office pool? Because we do that here at work. And thankfully, the Person who kind of runs the office pool for us is very transparent with everything. She always takes pictures of all the tickets, very clear with everyone. We split everything no matter what the prize is. Mm -hmm. But I know that people run into that problem a lot trying to claim, well, I got this ticket or that was my money and different things like that.
1: There's a few issues with that. And that's actually one of the uh, biggest pitfalls that the lottery lawyer mentioned to me is, first of all, a lottery ticket is what's called a bearer instrument which is basically just a fancy term to say that the holder is presumed to be the owner. So if you have a ticket that's the lot, you know, the winning lottery ticket and let's say you drop it in the street, someone picks it up and signs the back of it, it's now their ticket. Yeah. Whoever picks it up and signs it is their ticket. So The issue that comes into play with office pools is that, you know, people chip in cash to buy these lottery tickets. And then when one of the ticket holders ends up winning, it can kind of end up being a messy brawl to figure out who's actually entitled to the prize money. So the best way to prevent any kind of litigation or issue to begin with is to uh, make copies of each of the tickets that were purchased and then send the specific ticket numbers to uh, people in the office pool in an email thread. That way you have at least some kind of a paper trail. Right. So if were there to be unluckily some kind of litigation, a judge could look at that email and say, well, it says right here in writing that this was your ticket and this was your ticket and so on and so forth. So
0: Yeah, it's so important to contact the right people when you come into large sums of money. We've all heard about the lottery curse, people getting tons of money, blowing it all and you know, then their life is worse off than before. I'm in California. I see people lining up all the time, hitting the you know previous winner locations and trying to buy those tickets. How's it going there in New Jersey?
1: There's definitely a little bit of a buzz. It's not to say a lot of a buzz. I believe there was a winning lottery ticket sold was in a specific convenience store. And because of that, a bunch of people were running back to that same convenience yep. store, think, hoping and thinking, you know, <laughs> this is the lucky spot.
0: Rodrigo Torejon, reporter for The Record. Thank you very much. For joining us.
1: Thanks,
3: Oscar. I appreciate it. They found a body of a 10 year old child who died more than 1,500 years ago. The skeleton was lying on its side with its mouth open, and stuffed inside was a limestone rock about the size of a big egg. Archaeologists call these deviant burials, which is the
0: ancient way of burying people who they feared would have supernatural abilities. Joining me now is my producer, Miranda. Just in time for Halloween, archaeologists have found a vampire burial site that had the skeleton of a 10-year-old child with a rock lodged in its mouth. They were scared that the kid was going to rise from the dead and spread malaria or some diseases. What do we know about this vampire burial site?
3: So researchers from the University of Arizona and also uh, University of Stanford went on this dig in Italy and they found this child cemetery and so inside of a miniature tomb in what used to be a gigantic roman villa they said it was about the size of a shopping mall if you can think about it like that they found a body of a 10 year old child who died more than 1500 years ago the skeleton was lying on its side with its mouth open and stuffed inside was a limestone rock about the size of a big egg and like you said they believe the child died of malaria 60 miles north of Rome. And they've said that the way that they buried this kid was they stuck. The kid was already already dead. They opened the mouth forcefully, shoved the rock inside, and then filled the extra spots with cement so that they could be sure that the rock wouldn't come out. Right. And they were able to determine how old the kid was by looking at the teeth depressions.
0: And that's how they know that the rock was put in after he was dead because of those same impressions. Right. Locally, they're calling it the Vampire of Lugnano. It's in this, like you said, it's in this area, which was like the center of witchcraft in the Roman Empire at that time in Italy. They said that this burial site has also been called La Necropoli dei Bambini which is a cemetery of babies. And they found all sorts of different stuff in this burial site. You said it was like this huge villa and they found remnants of, uh, in these trenches, are dirt covered trenches. There was remains of infants, toddlers, aborted fetuses that had been buried alongside raven talons, toad bones, Bronze cauldrons, these things were filled with ash and sacrificial puppies.
3: Yeah, archaeologists call these deviant burials, which is the ancient way of burying people who they feared would have supernatural abilities, like coming back from the dead, or that they were people, and I, I don't know how this would apply to children, but that had violated society's rules. Hence the name, the Vampire of Lucano.
0: Right, and a lot of these archaeologists and researchers saying it's stuff that they just didn't understand. These illnesses, like malaria at the time, they probably didn't have a handle on it. They didn't know what it was or why it was popping up. And things that they feared, they thought might come back from the dead. They thought they were vampires. That's why they took these extra steps to bury them this way so that they couldn't come back and continue to spread diseases.
3: And they would do all kinds of things like there were rituals, I suppose you could say. They would dump honeysuckle all over the place. And these were just to kind of try to make it as pure as possible so that these spirits would just pass along and not come back.
0: We don't know the gender of this 10-year-old, the skeleton that was there, but they said that near this one was a, a three-year-old girl, the, the remains of a three-year-old girl they found that said that her hands and feet had been weighed down with stones, which was another form of vampire burial to keep the evil away so that she couldn't get up. They were able to dig in into the bones and the remains, and they also found that she had died of malaria.
3: And they're saying that the reason why there are so many children's bodies That they have done extensive research on to find out, yeah, they all died from malaria is because this Roman Empire section was considered to be a cesspool of diseases and they'd spread it through contaminated food and water and it was pretty swampy. So there were a ton of mosquitoes and that's why there was so much malaria up until they pretty much figured it out in the 1800s.
0: This is not the only site of these, quote unquote, vampire burials in northern Italy. There was a woman who was buried with a brick in her mouth. Almost the same thing, like the, you know, egg shaped rock. But this is a a brick Brick is huge, too. Right. (laughs) She was dubbed the Vampire of Venice in England. There was another guy who had his tongue taken out and replaced with a stone. So it just seemed like that was one of the popular (laughs) methods or popular rituals To keep them from being able to come back from the dead. But
3: that guy in England is fascinating because clearly in the year 200, these people aren't talking to each other. So somewhere these people in England knew to do this exact same type of burial than the people in northern Italy were doing at the same time.
0: Yeah, it's interesting just what people will do when you fear something, you don't know how to control or react to it. You go through these extra steps, these rituals and label them witches and vampires and things like that. So... It's just pretty creepy that they would do that to a small child. But when you're scared of something, you're going to go those extra steps. Got to protect yourself. Thank you, Miranda. Thank you, Oscar. All right, that's it for this week. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow The Daily Dive on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Daily Dive is produced by Miranda Moreno and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this was your Daily Dive.